welcome to Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What, the podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. I'm Diana. And I'm David. And today is our favorite episode of the year. It's our year in movies review. Woo! Woohoo! This is where we're going to take a look back at the things that we watched and talked about this year and then also the new movies and give our top and our bottom and review some stats. Well, before we get to the meat and potatoes. We have to have a little appetizer and go over some of the movies we've recently seen in this holiday season. Let's do it! All right, first we saw Jumanji, the next level. In Jumanji, the next level, the gang is back, but the game has changed. As they return to rescue one of their own, the players will have to brave parts unknown from arid deserts to snowy mountains to escape the world's most dangerous game. Sony Pictures Entertainment brought it with that bio. They present. I thought it was super fun. <sighs> I felt like the first half of this movie, I didn't exactly care. It got better as the movie went on, especially once we got the whole concept of everybody's in their proper person and character. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I realized that made me feel that way are two characters impersonating Danny Glover and Danny DeVito, mm-hmm. which we talk about in the trailer, so it's not too much of a spoiler. Mm-hmm. The jokes are funny, but they're also really slow, and they go to it every single time, and I think that threw me off. The beginning when they enter the game is a little slow. It is. And they they revisit a few jokes that they had the last time, but that makes sense, and it was also fun, and they brought back characters and added new characters like again none of this is new it's fun it's a really good time and this is also a christmas movie that it is a christmas movie the other one is too they're both christmas movies i know and this one's even more of a christmas movie because christmas is necessary in order for the movie to happen yeah i i didn't altogether hate it but for a good chunk of it i was like really it didn't grab me right away. I feel like if I watch it again, I might enjoy it a little more. No, I know what to expect a little bit. Mm-hmm. It took me a while to catch back up and feel like, okay, I'm back in. We're good. Everybody's still great. Aquafina's amazing. I love Aquafina. She's and so fucking good. She's great in so many ways. Danny DeVito is great. Danny DeVito's always great. I know, but it's just, I adore him. He's yeah, precious. I know. So yeah, it's just, it's a lot. And it has a really, it has a really thoughtful message and idea behind it. It re- it does really like the last one was good too, but it was very predictable. Yeah, this one I was not expecting, and it is very good. So it's great. Our kids are gonna love it when we take them to see it. So yeah, yeah. All right. Next, we saw Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. The surviving Resistance faces the First Order once more in the final chapter of the Skywalker saga. Okay, no spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilies. Funniest Star Wars movie ever. (laughs) In a good way. In a good way. Oscar Isaac is hot as fuck. Oh my God. Adam Driver is also hot as fuck. Ray's a badass. That's, I enjoyed the film. (laughs) No spoilers. Themes. Number one, I, I have heard two distillations which I really find good and appropriate. One is, this movie feels like pure cocaine. It's <laughs> okay. a fucking ride. Like, it's more a ride than a movie. Fair. And once I got attuned to that, I was cool. Yeah. On the other hand, I think a lot of people had expectations for this movie after The Last Jedi. 
especially people who really enjoyed The Last Jedi. And I know there's controversy abound about that. I'm not getting into it here. But I think one of the real disappointments of this movie is that it did not stick to any of those themes. And for a lot of people felt like they were rolling a lot of that back. There's one view that you could take and that they basically pretended that movie didn't happen. It kind of feels that way. Almost. I don't care. I I enjoyed the film. I'm I'm good with it. There there's only one thing I would change, but I can't talk about it because it's spoilery. So eventually we'll talk about it because why not? Yeah. <laughs> For me, I'm weirdly like split in the way of I enjoyed it as a pew pew laser movie, but as to what they had set up, I am disappointed. Mm-hmm. And I felt myself being like, really, really? Mm-hmm. Like a lot throughout the movie. Yeah. And being like, why did you do that? I just didn't care. I was surprised a lot. I had no expectations. So I was surprised a lot. I thought it was hilarious. So that was really fun for me. Yeah. And yeah, I just went into it going like, I'm gonna go see a Star War. So there you go. All right. Next, we saw Bombshell. A group of women decide to take on Fox News head Roger Ailes and the toxic atmosphere he has presided over. Well, Charlize has earned her nomination. Oh, my God. It's really her movie. Megan Kelly is really the focus of the film. Like, she's the connective tissue to the other women that they talk about. Uh, Nicole Kidman's great. Margot Robbie's great. Let me just say, the cast is fucking phenomenal. Oh, yeah. All the people they got to play people. And I, like, as the credits are rolling in the beginning, one of the casting agents is Allison Jones. That woman is a fucking god. And just all like ugh, all the people in this film make me so excited. I actually am looking forward to watching it again. The writer also worked on The Big Short. So it does have a little bit of that The Big Short and uh, Vice flavor in that, okay, we're going to hit you with some really shitty information, but we're also going to have some asides from our characters. And we're also going to put in some jokes about how ridiculous this is to, to like, to make it a little bit more palatable. Yeah, because this story is the story is a tricky one to tell. It's fucking sucks. Yeah. But they handle it really well. And then they also present the other issue of abusive relationships that I don't feel is always addressed. And that's really important. And I just it was just done so well. Yeah, I, I appreciate the fact too that they they don't hide talking about how horrible Fox News is mm-hmm. and how it, it takes nothing away from what these women did in taking mm-hmm. him down because he absolutely deserved to be ruined. Yeah. On the other hand, they do make these very subtle moments gesturing at also they're part of the problem of that culture, but never diminishing what they did and accomplished. Yeah. And that's... That was my biggest worry for this movie, was that they were going to go one way or the other and never comment on it. Yeah. Um, and, and they do a really good job of writing that line. Yeah, one of the things that has been talked about a lot in politics right now is that white women get their power through white men, so that's what they've protected. And that is not different from some of the situations here. And they really do discuss that that is part of the problem. It doesn't diminish anything at all in any way, but it is a factor in why it has gone on as long as it has. I also love that we get some male roles in this movie that aren't just total scumbags. No. And then they really poke fun at all the, the stupid Fox Bronum. It's very like they had fun poking fun at Fox. It's very well done. Yeah. It's so, 
It's a surprisingly good movie. I was really trepidatious about seeing this, and I was I came oh. out feeling really positive. David was a jerk about this, and I had to yell at him, and then he was like, okay, and then we saw it, and he was like, that was really good. <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, I'm like, no, you were a jerk about the whole thing. <laughs> I'm making you see this, but it was it was very good. So I hope it gets like an adapted screenplay nod. It depends on how much this was adapted. It's not credited as being from source material. But because of all of the archival footage that they use, and that was yeah. one thing that they did a good job at the at the beginning, there's a disclaimer. These are actors except where archive footage is used. Yeah. So like they have real footage of Bill O'Reilly and then they have someone playing Bill O'Reilly, mm-hmm. which makes total sense. And is also if this is what you're trying to present to us, that is the smartest way to do that. And it also like gets back to like this problem I have that I really hate it. When real life news anchors show up in fictional television, (laughs) I fucking hate it and don't want it in any way, shape or form. Like, I just am like, you're making the the line between reality and fiction very complicated and that's not good. Yep. So I think that is an ethical problem. They just did did a really good job. Yeah, it's just it's the exact right tone for this story. And if yeah, if you liked the big short, if you liked Vice. Because they were able to present you uh, that information in a really palatable way without undercutting its seriousness, this is a really good one too. And Charlie's Theron again. I mean, whatever. I can't. I can't deny it. It's too good. Yeah, she she deserves a nomination. The other the other women do not, but she certainly does. All right, Len, let's get into it. Okay. And now that we've finished talking about those movies, let's get into our actual year in review. Okay, so I'm going to read down the list of movies we saw for the podcast proper, starting with the very beginning of the year with the movies we covered during our Oscar series that was Best Performances. So we have Million Dollar Baby, Shine, Dreamgirls, The Piano, Ghost, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, Moonstruck, Moonlight, Dr. Strangelove. 2001, A Space Odyssey, A Clockwork Orange, Full Metal Jacket, Eyes Wide Shut, Say Anything, High Fidelity, Live and Let Die, The Man with the Golden Gun, The Spy Who Loved Me, Moonraker, For Your Eyes Only, Octopussy, A View to a Kill, Never Say Never Again, Casino Royale 1967, The Outsiders, Red Dawn, Red Dawn 2007, Dirty Dancing, Roadhouse, Point Break 1991, Point Break 2015, Orlando, Monster, The Kids Are All Right, I Shot Andy Warhol, Clueless, Book Smart, Unbreakable, The Village, Lady in the Water, Split, The Sixth Sense, Vacation, European Vacation, Vegas Vacation, Vacation 2015, Meet Me in St. Louis, Babes in Toyland 1960, Babes in Toyland 1986, The Nightmare Before Christmas. And then, while we did not give them ratings, we did watch Noel, A Christmas Prince, The Royal Engagement, A Christmas Prince, The Royal Baby, Wild in the Heart, and The Night Before Christmas. And Let It Snow. Oh, yeah. And Let It Snow. I forgot about that. But yeah, that's all the movies we watched this year. I I don't know where I stand. First of all, there's one perfect movie in that list. Okay. That's The Piano. Yeah, that is the only movie this year that you and I gave a five to either of us. And we both gave it to The Piano. So good. It was so good. And it led us to doing our female director series. It did. Which was very odd. <laughs> Not bad, but just was like, okay. 
We, Interesting. We picked, we picked some tough movies to to parse through. We did. This year was so it wasn't all over the place, but it was very high or low. Oh yeah. I gave out three four point five star ratings to Moonlight, Booksmart, and Meet Me in St. Louis. You gave out four four point fives with the same list as mine, but you also gave a four point five to say anything. Yeah. We gave out quite a few threes. David gave 12 threes out, and I gave nine threes. So many middle-of-the-road movies. And I gave out nine 1.5s, and you gave out seven 1.5s. Bond! Yeah, Bond really was a lot of that. I mean, Roger Moore. Vacation as well for me. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't didn't do great. And the worst film of the year for me was Casino Royale, 1967. And really? For you, you have a tie with Casino Royale, 1967, and Babes in Toyland. Both of them, you gave a one to. Babes in Toyland is worse. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 1986, way worse. Casino Royale has a plot. It's mm-hmm. not a good one, but it is yeah. there. Oh. Yep. So yeah, yeah, you have a three-way tie. It's a little roller coaster of a year. Yeah. And when you look at the chart, which will we'll have a visual of the graph of our different ratings. It is very super high or super low, but we didn't depart on anything too terribly much. Like if we both thought it was really good, we both thought it was really good. We both hated it. We both hated it. We, yeah. we agreed a lot more this year. And we had that we had that interesting juxtaposition. You know, I thought about this year of did I like a lot of the movies? Was it actually a good selection of movies? Mm-hmm. And in reality, I was like, it didn't really matter. Some of the series we did, we got into such tough discussions. Mm-hmm. Number one, by invoking what I think is now like a hallmark for the show, the fucking Kubrick rule. Oh, we talk about this all the time now. We repeat this when we watch television shows, when we watch just regular movies, the current movies. The Kubrick rule, if you've missed that in our previous episodes, is if you need context to understand your movie, your movie sucks. And it's built on the premise that we watch these Stanley Kubrick films, and they're visually so fascinating to watch. Mm -hmm. They're masterfully done, and yet there is so much information that's not provided to you that, you know, we had to decide, is this a good movie? And you came up with the Kubrick rule. If you have to explain that to me in order to make it good, it's not good. Mm -hmm. And that's not applicable to parts of series so much. Um, so like when we talk about Marvel films, yes, you are talking about a piece of a much bigger story. And so it's very obvious the films that stand on their own and that you don't need context to appreciate the film on its own. If you have that additional context, it makes the film richer for you and that's okay. So there are a couple of Marvel films in the Marvel universe that are amazing. They stand on their own very well. And there are other ones that are like, you have no idea what the fuck is going on unless you've seen 12 other films. And that doesn't necessarily make it bad because it's a part of a series, but it falls apart if you haven't if you haven't done that homework. I mean, I would I would tend to argue it still applies. I don't disagree, but it's part of a different argument. So like when we talked about it chapter two, it's not fair to say that, that movie sucks on its own because it's part two of a two part story. That's where it gets a little like, okay, but I'm obviously seeing part two. Of a bigger story. And granted, I've seen amazing films that don't explain any of that to you. Mm-hmm. And it's on purpose. Yeah. And that's its own like thing to try to parse mm-hmm. through. If you're doing that on purpose, it's one thing. 
But Kubrick was trying to do it on purpose and failing. And that's really the problem. Hmm. You should be able to figure it out regardless of whether you have the information or not. True. So. All right. So yeah, it was this good. And uh, next year is going to be interesting as well. We're doing 1967 for our Oscar series. So we're going through all the big award winners for that. And then right after that, we usually take a break. We usually take about a month or two off because we've gone through award season. We've crammed as much as we can in. But this year, with the release of Bond 25, No Time to Die, we feel the need to, instead of stopping right after the Oscars, to continue on and pick up our Bond series where we left off, starting with our Timothy Dalton films, and go all the way through the Daniel Craig films so that we can finish our Bond series with No Time to Die and give that the full series treatment. Hopefully we'll have trivia. Oh, there's already a fuck ton of trivia for that film. I know. We'll just have more. I know. (laughs) Which is great because we're going to see it like a week or two after it comes out and then our episode will be out about it. And so then that will kind of help people avoid some spoilers. It is going to be, I will already tell you, one of the biggest, most epic two series things we've ever tried to do. Both our Oscars 1967 series and our, our finishing out of Bond with Dalton... Brosnan and Craig is going to be a lot, but we're very looking forward to it. We're having a lot of fun. Can't wait to get there. So let's talk about this year in movies. 2019. We did not see as many movies in the theater this year. The summer was really rough for us just personally, and we had some life stuff that we had to take care of. So that kind of took away our time at the theater. And then a lot of the movies we wanted to see over the summer, everyone was like, that sucks. Don't go see it. So... Starting after I, we start our film count for current films with whatever we started watching that wasn't for Oscar nominations. So we did see a bunch of films in January, but they don't really count because they were all for Oscars. So we have The Lego Movie 2, the second part, Isn't It Romantic, Five Feet Apart, The Beach Bum, Captain Marvel, Us, Shazam, Avengers Endgame, Detective Pikachu, The Hustle, Aladdin, Rocket Man, Men in Black International. Spider-Man, Far From Home, Toy Story 4, The Farewell, Dora in the Lost City of Gold, It Chapter 2, Hustlers, Ad Astra, Judy, Downton Abbey, The Movie, Joker, Parasite, The Lighthouse, Hobbs and Shaw, Ford vs. Ferrari, Frozen 2, Honey Boy, Knives Out, The Perfect Date, The Last Summer, Jumanji, The Next Level, Star Wars, and Bombshell. All right. All right. So... All right, we usually do this. What are our bottom three? Starting with three, two, one, one being the worst film that we saw this year. Mm-hmm. So what's your number three? This was not the lowest rated film on my list. Okay. And wasn't even the third lowest rated film on my list. Mm-hmm. But the more I considered it, its mediocrity mm-hmm. warranted its inclusion okay. on here. It's Men in Black International. Oh, okay. I was really disappointed by this movie. I think it was fine, but it's so middle of the road. Mm-hmm. It's such a four-quadrant movie, the way that they made it. It could have been so much better than it was. They didn't take any risks at all with this story. No. It was just boring. And the more that I think about it, the more I go, this is probably the most disappointingly mediocre movie that came out at all this year. Mm-hmm. There have been some spectacular flops yeah, or just like disasters, but this wasn't that. This was... We made a movie we think everybody's going to like, and then nobody liked it. Yeah. All right. For me, my number three was Ad Astra. Wow. Yeah. And it wasn't even that it was a bad movie. It was that the second we left the theater, I completely forgot all about it. 
It had no impact on me whatsoever. I was like, oh, okay, that was a movie. All right. I really liked Ad Astra. It is completely forgettable. Ad Astra might go in like a mini honorable mention for me as one of the better movies this year. Oh, no. All right. You're number two. Joker. Okay. That doesn't surprise me at all. Joker upset me viscerally. Uh Uh-huh. It's one of the few times in recent memory that I've been shaken by a movie like that. Mm Mm-hmm. And not because it was positive mm-hmm. or, you know, just impactful in like a, a normal way a movie is. I didn't put it at the bottom of my list mm-hmm. because it is competent. Mm-hmm. And Joaquin Phoenix gave a stellar performance. Mm-hmm. And so there are all these elements to it that are so good, but it was so just damaging to have to sit through. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I I didn't want to put it at the bottom. Mm-hmm. But I had to include it on my least favorite films of this year. So I totally understand your thought process with that. It's not included in my bottom list. Yeah. In part, because I hated it. I hate the film. Yeah. Because I hate the impact that is going to be taken from it, where I find value in that film. The tiniest nugget of value is that one piece of paper. Yeah, I know. That says... The worst part about having mental illness is that people expect you to behave like you don't. And I was like, that is a very valuable statement. If that is the one thing people cling to from that movie, I think that's a positive because it's so true. And it's I feel that very deeply. So while I, it's definitely not on my top or honorable mention list, I couldn't. I'm mad at it. <laughs> but I can't say it's absolute crap. Yeah, no. I'm just I'm really mad at it the same way I was furious at Green Book. And for me, it was it was beyond that. Like Green Book, I was just righteously indignant. Mm-hmm. This one, I it messed with me mm-hmm. for a little while. This went into my bones. Mm-hmm. I hated this. Yeah. What was your number two? The last summer. Mm. It's the film we covered for the KJ Appa for the doghouse. I fucking hated this film. It was so badly done. It was so poorly acted. And I'm just like, it was, I was miserable watching this film. I was just like, how is this still going? That was my number one. Okay. Like the fact that we watched half of this movie Mm -hmm. in the summer Mm -hmm. and then waited until like the winter to finally say, Ugh, fine, we'll finish it, damn it. Yeah, it doesn't bode well for your movie. It's oh so my bad. God. It's so bad. It, 30 minutes it passed and it felt like an hour and a half of movie had gone it by. Really, it really did. It was so bad. It's a, It was the biggest slog I've ever seen in my life. And I will never forgive them for leaving in his line reading of goddess. <laughs> a sex goddess. No, fucker, no. I mean, it's KJ. I, I don't care. I can't fault it. It's almost funny in Riverdale. It's not fucking funny in a Netflix movie. Fuck you. No, I'm mad. All right. What was your worst movie? My worst film. Because as bad as the last summer was, the experience of watching this next film, I wanted to get out of the theater and leave. I was so fucking over this movie about 40 minutes in. The Beach Bum. (laughs) I fucking hated this movie. I was mad for having... We did get a BOGO. So we didn't spend a lot of money. No, but we had a we had a free preview. Oh, it was a free. Okay, it was so it was it cost us ten dollars in yeah. food. So I'm pissed about that and the fact that we went to the theater that was like on the other side of town. So we drove farther than we normally would to see this movie because like we didn't have the kids, so we had some free time. I'm so fucking pissed about this movie. I hated every second of it. Matthew McConaughey is a good actor, but he's fucking doing nothing. It's horror. I hate that movie so much. I Harmony Cringe should not be allowed to make films. It's my opinion. 
I didn't hate it. I know you didn't hate it. I did. But I, I didn't like it. I mean, that was that was one thing about that movie was I was like, there was a vibe and something interesting there. For me, there was a little bit of a nugget there mm-hmm. that I latched onto and was okay with. Yeah. I just thought Harmony Corinne is the worst person to tell this kind of a story. Like, there's a way to do this story, even as wild and outlandish the way they're doing it, and still make it meaningful and interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he just didn't do that at all. Yeah. And then to have to listen to Harmony and Matt McConaughey wax poetic about it, mm-hmm. you know, trying to sit through the interview after that movie probably didn't help our opinion. Yeah, no, it was bad. <sighs> okay, let's go to the happy things. Okay. So we usually do top five. I usually have an honorable mention. I have two honorable mentions and I don't want to cut either one of them. I have no honorable mentions. Okay, then I'm going to use your honorable mention for mine. That's fair. I'm going to use, I'm going to have two honorable mentions. So that means they didn't make it into my top five. So my honorable mentions are Ford versus Ferrari and Hustlers. I thoroughly enjoyed both. They're good stories. They were well made, well performed. I would be happy to see either of them as Oscar contenders this next year because they're really good. They're well done. I will agree with Ford versus Ferrari. Mm -hmm. That is the best example of a precision time watch movie yeah like it's just so perfectly done yeah even though it doesn't rise to the level of being like one of the great movies that i've seen this year no but it's very enjoyable to watch yeah for me hustlers some of it came from hearing more of the story come out later Mm -hmm. but i think a lot of it for me was i enjoyed it Mm -hmm. i really did but I kind of I kind of had the ad Astra effect. Not uh-huh. as much because like J Lo's performance was amazing. Uh-huh. A lot of the performances were great. But it did have that vibe of, okay, eh, what was the point? I don't think they nailed down the point of that story as well as they could have. Uh, I don't know. I mean we might disagree on that. No, that's fine. I, I don't agree. But I really liked Hustlers and I yeah. don't want it like I don't want us to forget about it because it was really good. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, so what's your number five? Spider-Man Far From Home. Okay. One of the best superhero sequels we've seen in a long time. And totally stands on its own. Indeed. In movie, they tell you everything you need to know. Like, as big and epic and complex Mm -hmm. as Infinity War and Endgame were, Mm -hmm. the movie coming after it being a high school road trip comedy that Mm -hmm. also happens to involve some superhero stuff. And then, adding on top of that, a villain who is very tangentially related to the universe, but is also such a perfect commentary on the universe. Mm -hmm. Such a just twist the knife in and be meta for a while. Gyllenhaal is amazing in this movie. That movie is just so fun. We saw that movie twice in the theaters, which we don't get to do very often. And it was so fun. It was equally fun the second time. And it's just, it's so great with setting up this next phase of the MCU and setting up Peter Parker in a way that's fun and interesting where we see a little bit of, of the Peter Parker we've seen before, with, but in a new way, um, because there's a lot of Spider-Man fatigue, but the, it's always so fun with the Tom Holland character. They just made a pitch perfect movie to up the ante on what they did in Homecoming. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it stands on its own, aside from all of the mess mm-hmm. that they had to deal with with Endgame and the culmination of stuff, yeah, is remarkable to me. So well done. My number five 
is Knives Out. Fair. I know a good chunk of why I'm in love with this film is the way it looks. Yeah. The costumes, the set decoration, the cinematography is all amazing. But so is the music. So is the performance. And the story is also equally good. I had fun the entire time. I loved everybody in it. I just, I freaking love that movie. And I will own that. And I will watch it probably a lot. And I just, it just, top to tails, is perfect. Yeah, that's why Knives Out went in my number four slot. That's funny, because my number four is Spider-Man Far From Home. Flip them around. So we have the same four and five. You know, Knives Out, I I put a little bit higher Mm -hmm. just for the complexity of what was going on. But the reason it didn't go too much higher for me was that now looking back on it a little bit, I was like, you know, he doesn't really throw a lot of plot twists in this movie. No. It's really not that kind of a mystery. And that's okay. But it's not like anything was super unpredictable. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of people chewing fat and doing really well at it. And a writer and director who has enough ability to control a script to make it work. Mm-hmm. I've heard some really good criticism on the themes of the movie. Not saying that impacted how I view it, but mm-hmm. there is some good stuff about that out there that's like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe this isn't the greatest message in the world. Yeah, no, I I recognize that, but I, I just I enjoyed the film. Yeah, just as a movie-going experience, I think it's super fun. Mm-hmm. All right, so that gets us to number three. Okay, what's your number three? Going Rocket Man. Me too! Yeah. Fuck, I think we're going to have the same list. Mm-hmm. We'll see. It's going to be close. It is. Rocket Man was so fucking good. It was so good. It I... was it wasn't perfect partially because it was sloppy on purpose. And that's why I liked it. Well, uh, here's the thing and I love Tom and Lorenzo. Their commentary on it was that, you know, Elton John served as executive producer on the film, and so he he cast this super hot dude to play younger him and why wouldn't you? And his life was very sloppy. Yeah. And messy and not all sunshine and rainbows. And they just didn't shy away from that. and But they still had fun with it. And Taron is so amazing. If he gets nominated for an Oscar, which he 100 fucking percent deserves, I will be so happy for him because he deserves that for this film. This story, this film deserves that so much. Like, inevitably, this movie is going to be compared to Bohemian Rhapsody. Which, it just is. Which the people who did this film finished Bohemian Rhapsody. And the thing about this movie is that it goes so much further than Bohemian Rhapsody did because of the dynamics of who was involved. Mm -hmm. Bohemian Rhapsody, a lot of the reason it got sanitized to some degree Mm -hmm. was that the other members of Queen were involved. Yeah. And that's not to necessarily take away from that movie, but what makes this such a better movie is that it doesn't hide any of that. And it allows them to be completely honest because Elton wanted to be completely honest. And it's just so gorgeous because of it. Mm-hmm. Taron, it will be a crime if he does not get an Oscar nomination. It he, really will be. He got a Golden Globe nomination, so that makes me feel really good about his chances for an Oscar nom. Yeah, the fear here is, one, homophobia, and two, probably more importantly, this movie came out really early in the year. Well, it, it came out and coincided with Pride. I wish they would have re-released it in November or early December to put it back in people's minds. I do too. But but, but Taryn has also been doing a very heavy Oscar campaign by going to literally every Glad or Elton John associated event and just making sure that people remember this. And so like he's doing his part. And he's honestly, doing his part. he's earned that right. He, he deserves has. it. He gave 
such a good performance. He deserves a nomination depending yeah. on who he's up against. I I could be okay with him not winning, but I, he, he needs the nomination. And it's also just a nice thing of like him being nominated also recognizes this story. Yes. Like that's I think one thing that we can forget mm-hmm. is like when you're telling a story that's this good and important in the moment you're telling it, mm-hmm. sometimes that actor getting nominated is enough to boost the profile of that movie even more. Look at Shine. Yeah. That was such a small film. But the fact that Jeffrey Rush got that nomination. And then he won was so huge. Yeah. It was amazing. And so that's why campaigning for that stuff is important. Yeah. Okay. So since our three was the same, I'll do my number two. Okay. The Farewell. Okay. Yeah. So I think our our number ones and number two are flipped. Yeah. Yeah, Because my number two is Parasite. Yep. (laughs) We have have the exact same top five movies. (laughs) The exact same top five. They were the best movies of the year. This was not a hard decision for me. Like when we got down to Ford versus Ferrari and Hustlers and Mm -hmm. Bombshell and all these movies that I thought I was like, wow, that was a solid good movie. Mm -hmm. But it was like, I go through IMDb and I rate them. That's how I get my list. And it was like eight, eight, seven, eight, eight, seven, eight. Like it was like, these were all solid movies. Mm But they don't rise above in any way. Yeah. There wasn't something special about them that pushed them up for me. Yeah. These were special in that way. And it became really easy for me to delineate. So uh, The Farewell is just a beautiful film. It's a very funny premise based on a true story that is still ongoing. And I love it. It's just, it's it's so, it's so sweet, but also heartbreaking. And Aquafina is phenomenal. She is absolutely amazing. I love her. Everything she does is uh, amazing. But so this is the first time we've seen her doing something dramatic and she just nails it. She knocks it out of the park. And it's just it's just a beautiful story. And it's really well done. It's making me cry thinking about it. And I hate it. <laughs> what made you put Parasite over that? <sighs> it's a couple of things. Part of it was the experience of film seeing that movie. Because it was like, I don't really know what's happening. I didn't know much about the film. No, and neither of us have seen any of Bong Joon-ho's previous no. work. But that was a movie that I just, I felt so viscerally. And then the second it was over, I was like, I want every single person I know to see this film. Every single person needs to see this film because it's very important for every person to see this story and be confronted with this stuff. No matter who you are, where you are politically, economically, you need to see this movie. And that's what put it above Farewell for me. Like, I love Farewell. I really, truly do. Um, But this was just like, oh, this elevates things to a degree that is insane. While also being that important, while also being hilarious, suspenseful, touching, kind of creepy and scary. Like it, it, it hit every single tone. It's like four different movies in the best way. It is the most masterful film I think I have ever seen. This is going to be one of my top movies of my life at this point. Like it is definitely solidly in my top 10 now forever. Yeah. And it's such a timely movie. Like this is a movie that was needed for the culture that not only we're dealing with right now, but that we're staring down the barrel of. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I I don't want to get super histrionic with the politics of this stuff, but like this is the reality we're gonna be facing if we don't work to change things. Yeah. It's gonna look a lot like this. And it already looks a lot it like this for like this. a lot of people. Yeah. What's so masterful is that 
you know, seeing some of the stuff in the documentary footage beforehand, hearing a little bit about Bong Joon-ho, it's like, this is what he does. He takes genre films and inserts class struggle into it. I'm sure you've, at this point, you've seen the meme of him talking about this film. And he's like, I just realized that we all live in the same country and that country is capitalism. Yeah. And it's just like, fuck me, you're not wrong, dude. And so he's taken all of that time and masterful skill and woven, like you said, this like epic, epic saga that weaves itself through four different styles of movie. And it never feels forced. It always feels like the right tone at the right moment. <laughs> and and the other thing that put it above for me was there's not a single thing I can look at the film and say, I want to change it. There there was one moment towards the end that I was like, well, I kind of wish they hadn't done this. But I was like, no, that's perfect. Like, I was like, no, that's my that's my reaction. But I'm I'm wrong. <laughs> the, movie, the movie is right. And if y'all have been listening to us for any amount of time, I am stingy as fuck with my stars. I can always find something like, no, that's wrong. That you're going to have to change it. I, I, can, I would not change a frame, a note, a cue, nothing. And I never fucking say that. Never. I don't know that I, I even my favorite movies of all time, I would say that. <laughs> so why, why, why is Farewell better for you? I felt that feeling of perfection from both movies. Okay. The way they were filmed, the way their story unfolded, the way they told their story. And they're two very different movies. Oh, yeah, sure. Totally. Parasite is an epic, even mm-hmm. though told kind of on a small scale. Mm-hmm. And Farewell is a very small, intimate film. Mm-hmm. And so for me, what it came down to was, what was the movie that most moved me? Oh, yeah, that makes total sense. And I knew you would say, if, if I had asked you that question, I knew you would have said Farewell. Yeah, it, it's because... You know, looking at both on paper, I I can't distinguish the perfection in the filmmaking. So it has to come down to a gut reaction. And the farewell really hit at my heart mm-hmm. in a huge way. It's not to say that Parasite <laughs> won't. It's not to say that I won't watch Parasite another time and really get emotional over yeah. it. But the experience of watching the farewell and feeling all of those emotions, especially for a story and the thing that I couldn't get over after seeing it was the fact that this is a culture that I have absolutely no connection to, that I've never encountered this idea of culture in any type of media. Yeah. And this concept of not telling someone they're dying, like not something I've ever encountered. Yeah. But it felt so real and normal and like it could happen in my family. Well, (laughs) uh, I know the exact scene you're talking about. It's it's the money scene when grandma gives her money. Let's do something fun. There there were lots of that stuff too. I mean there there was also just a personal connection of of feeling some of that stuff too. Well, and then we have the added fact that <laughs> your grandmother has had health problems this year. Yeah. That's that's been like the big thing family that we've been dealing with and everything's working out great, but it's just like, oh yeah, we're li- we're living through this. It was just such a beautifully told story. It, it's, it's And it didn't matter that there was this cultural connection attached no. to it at all. No. Like that was that was just a little nudge to get the conflict rolling. Yeah. And then everything else just felt like any normal family. And so for me, I just it hit at me so hard. Like I said, Parasite's the movie that 10 years down the road I'll never stop thinking about. It's one that I want to own. It's one that I want to watch again and again. We want to see and more from that new things. Yeah, we want to see everything from this director because clearly he's done some good shit. He's a master. We know that. We just haven't seen it. But I, I 
for me, the farewell is the best one I've seen so far. And I'm really, if there's anybody I'm stumping for to get both a directing and a writing, not it's Lulu Wong, like give her the nominations. She did such an amazing job with this movie. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I want, I really want both of these films to be recognized. Oh my God. They both deserve it. They both did. And I feel like Parasite is this year's Roma. Um, yeah, but better. <laughs> it's, it's fuck Roma compared to this. It won the Palme d'Or, the highest prize at Cannes. So that's insane. So yeah, like I'm, I'm just, we're just gunning for a lot of shit this year. It's going to be a weird variety of films. Hopefully they get nominated. Nominations for Oscars go out January 13th. When those come out, we'll do a little mini episode with our reactions to those and kind of run down the list of things that we have not seen that have been nominated. We always try to do all of the Best Picture nominations so they can do a max of 10. Last year, they only did nine. So we were able to hit all of those and almost all of the performance nominations too. So that kind of usually rounds us completely out. We've got two films that we haven't seen yet that we that we really, really want to go for. And that's Uncut Gems and 1917. Yeah. We know 1917 is going to get a lot of technical awards. It it looks like a gorgeous fucking movie. It just, all the behind the scenes footage just, just makes me go, it makes my brain melt in the best possible way. I'm also just always so excited for a World War I story mm-hmm. because those movies are always the most emphatically anti-war war movies. Yeah, nobody wants to go to war again. Because of how awful the fighting was, how horrible that war was. And then uncut gems. I'm just like I'm. I'm ready to buckle my seatbelt and get ready for a fucking ride. Yeah, I'm just so curious to see Adam Sandler like this. I really am. the The buzz has been on him since the trailers were coming out. Yeah, people have been seeing this movie, and like critics almost unanimously have been going, "Give him the fucking award already." Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if I agree. Yeah, I know. So yeah, so those are the ones we're going to try and get to before nominations come out. We. We might do a mini like conversation about the Golden Globes. Those air January 5th. So we'll see. That's the year. It's been a good year in movies. I just find it hilarious that we had the same top five. The exact same five movies. But the thing is, I'm not. Those five movies were the ones that stood apart. Oh, I completely agree. I just, this is the first time that's happened for us. Like we usually have two. Two are the same, and they're usually in similar spots, but then the rest are kind of like, oh, okay, okay. Like, it was a good movie year for us, but I don't think it was that good a movie year. There were some really great moments. Here's the thing. Of the movies we saw this year, the ones that are are good are fucking awesome. Yeah, I will say. And everything else is like, okay. I didn't have a whole lot of like, this was trash. Almost all of these are like, I nod my head. That was pretty good. I saw the movie I expected to see, and I am not upset about that. Yeah. That was a lot of the experience. And so I guess, yeah, our top fives were like, okay, we were expecting a good film or an interesting film, and we were blown away by what we got instead. Yeah. And that makes sense. I like that. That's good. There's going to be so many fucking movies I already want to see in 2020. Oh, man. They're like, I, I. Between what we got for Oscars. Yeah. And then all the shit that's coming. Like, it's going to be nuts. Yeah, we're going to be busy. We're going to have to take off so much time after Bond. That's okay. But then, like, we've we've got some plans for next year that are, we're really excited about. We love doing our crossover with Cool Breeze over the mountains pod. They're phenomenal. If you love Keanu Reeves, go listen to them. We want to have more guests on our movie episode, so we're hoping to get a few people for Bond. 
we're just we love this. This is probably my favorite podcast that we do together. <laughs> like no shade to Riverdale or Ponies, but this is the podcast that is like this is our life. This is the podcast we've been trying to make for like 10 years. This is the podcast that is literally just a formalization of our relationship. Pretty much. <laughs> so like I, whenever I think about like, oh, we're doing this weird thing. It's like, you know, we're going to leave this really weird record of this part of our relationship for our children. So they're going to have that. <laughs> uh, good or bad. They're going to have all this shit. And also for the entire internet. Love you, children. <laughs> Love you. Go to bed. <laughs> All right. All right. Until next year. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you.